and he begins to follow Jesus, and Jesus took him to a new place. The only way that Noah, Joshua, and Peter could have got to a new place is if they had faith. We have a story uh, in our family, and what I mean, I mean our Baptist family, and it's from, oh, it starts 250 years ago. I've told this story before, but when I thought of this, I thought, no, that, that's, that's the illustration. It's the story of William Carey. He, William Carey is just, he's a cobbler, uh, not the cobbler you eat, the cobbler that makes shoes, okay? I'm sorry, this is English. Go back 250 years ago. William Carey is a shoemaker, and um, he's a young man that becomes the pa a pastor of a, of a small church. I'm going someday uh, to that place <laughs> uh, in England. And he was a part of a Baptist association of these little, bitty, small Baptist churches in the central part of England. And God begins to lay the world on William Carey's heart. I, 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 I don't know how large this congregation is, but I think our congregation, our buildings and everything would just swallow whatever he had. But God put the world on William Carey's heart. And he, I think he was bivocational. I think he continues to do shoes, and he's, he's preaching. And uh, he begins to talk to his fellow pastors about the mandate from the Scripture that the gospel should be taken into all the world to those who have never heard. And William Carey's just shot down and shot down. It's like, dude, get real. We're just these little Baptist churches. What do you want us to do? I mean, it's the day there's, you're traveling by ship. And one fateful Wednesday, I don't even think it was a Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday during the day. As those pastors were gathering, May 30th, 1792, uh, William Carey preaches a sermon to those men. And his text came from Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. This is my text for the day. And it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. We don't really have a record of what he expounded about those verses, but they were verses about faith. And I don't have time to really put it into context, but it was a time that God's judgment had come, come upon their people and he starts talking about the barren, those that have no children. And God just says to them, and so think about it. If you lived in a tent, if you were nomadic, uh, when you had children, you like added on space to the tent, right? You just kind of put a new wing on, you know, expanded it out. I don't know. And uh, 
The picture is people that have no children. And God says, what I want you to do is I just want you to expand your tent as far as you can reach it. And God said, I'm going to fill it up so that your descendants will infiltrate the nations of the world. There were two things that William Carey said that day that is recorded in the minutes. <laughs> His two points were, expect great things from God. Secondly, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. It was a sermon about faith. And he challenged the men. And they were hesitant. They were reluctant. But it is recorded that the next day, reluctantly, they organized the First Baptist Mission Society. And in the days ahead, they uh, collected money and they eventually sent William Carey halfway around the world to India. William Carey never came home. He died 40 years later, but he made such a mark on the world. He is known as the father of modern missions. If you think about first century missions you think of Paul but then all of a sudden everybody nobody's going out 1792 a cobbler in central England God has placed the world on his heart and he challenged them to take a huge step ambitious would be the British word no that's quite ambitious we are going to take the gospel to the world? Are you serious? Look at us. But that's exactly what God did. Faith is always required to take us to a new place. And faith is always demonstrated by steps of obedience. Brother Barry, if you want to know whether we have faith in our hearts, look at our life. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing out Brother Barry. I, this is the conversation we've had. It will always require faith. And we will know it is faith because it is demonstrated by steps, concrete steps of obedience. We cannot say that we have faith <laughs> if you do not see the works behind it. It is true for us personally. It is true for us corporately. Faith is the challenge for us individually in our lives and we could you can apply that, this principle, to your life today. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't, know, I don't know what God begins to speak to your heart. But there is an uh, individual, personal application here 
that there are, you will never go to a new place unless you take steps of faith. It, it's just, if you think God's going to ease you into this new place in your life, no. He's going to ask you to take a step into the darkness. Now, God is there. But you have to demonstrate it by steps of obedience. When I talk about faith, I'm talking about something that is so central to our, our lives as Christians that do not think theoretical, think extremely practical. That there are real circumstances in our lives that we face and we have the choice that we will either play it safe or we will risk it all. If we play it safe, you individually, us as a church, we will stay where we are. Hopefully. Noah wouldn't have stayed where he was if he didn't demonstrate faith. He would have died. Joshua would have stayed on the opposite side of the Jordan. And let me just tell you, God had was cutting off the, the bread supply. <laughs> it was going to get ugly on that side of the Jordan. The old place was not a good place. The only good place was a new place. But to get to the new place, you've got to step into the water. And then God will stop the water and he'll bring you through. If Peter had not followed Jesus that day, nobody in the world would even know who Simon was would have no significance in the world if William Carey had played it safe countless myriads of people around the world would have never heard of Jesus Christ There is an individual application to this. There is a church application that I want to talk about this morning. And I do not speak hypothetically about faith today. I talk about very real circumstances that we as a church face. Circumstances that we must deal with but the choice is the same. We will either play it safe or we will risk it all. The only way to get to a new place is to have faith and to demonstrate that faith by steps of obedience. I believe that God is calling us to a new place. And what occurred to me weeks ago is if there is not an element of faith to this, then it is not God's plan. If we, me and you, can plan it out and execute it, it is not God's plan. Faith will always be 
required. And for us to take our church to the next level, to take it to a place of greater impact, it will require faith that is demonstrated by steps of obedience. There are three areas I want to talk about today that as your pastor, I want to say they're right in front of us. And we need to be aware of where we are and what it is that God will speak to us about. Now there is one component to this uh, that I've already addressed and I will address again. The first and most significant aspect of us getting to a new place, to the next level, to a place of greater impact, is us on a daily basis relationally connecting the gospel to people. I've said that for two weeks. I'll say it again this Sunday. You can count on it. I'm going to say it again next Sunday. The one thing that is essential in the midst of all of this. And so I'm going to talk about some very practical things today. If we forget this one thing, the rest of the things do not matter. We must relationally connect the gospel to people and we must take spiritual responsibility to those that are in our circles so that we will have an impact uh, on Huntington, Texas, but such an impact that would re reverberate out into the world. There are three things. Yeah, oh, they're on the screen. That's good. Uh, that are the implications if we want to take it to the next level if we want to be a church that is making a greater impact then we are confronted with personnel properties and budget this this is a different kind of sermon for me but this is so important for us as a church family that we understand where we are and what God would call us to do. Let's talk about personnel. And when I talk about personnel, at least today, I'm talking about paid staff. If you think about it, we have staff for what we do right now. And we are in a healthy place. We are in a good place as a church. And if we played it safe, this is what we have and this is what we can have. This is what we are. And we can theoretically stay here. But if we want, think about it, if we want to take it to the next level, then there have to be what I will call adjustments and advancements in this area of personnel. There are going to have to be some adjustments made and then we're going to have to advance in what we do. Let me just tell you, people, this is very real, a decision that we will have to make as a church. And mark my words this day, we will either play it safe or we will risk it all to take it to the next level. Um, the changes in personnel start with me. Uh, if our church is to take it to the next level, 
then I must change my leadership. I must elevate what I do. Because what we have represents what I can do and the level of leadership that I am at. Now, I don't know, I don't know if this makes sense or resonates with any of you. Some of you it does. But if I stay at the level of leadership that I am at, our church will stay at the level we are at. We just have to believe that. So I have to elevate my leadership. I must change. Um, change is not easy. So when I talk about change, what I realize is I have to get out of what I have done for 30 plus years to do something different. The old adage is teaching an old dog new tricks. Well, old dogs can learn new tricks, and this old dog is going to learn a new trick. You can quote me on that one, all right? What I realize is that, yes, what I do now must change. I must give my time and my leadership to focus on getting the church to the next level. What I do presently has got us where we are. To go to the next level, I must focus on those things that are essential to getting us to that next level. If I continue to do what I'm doing, we will stay where we are. There are very specific practical things that I realize. Some of those were just some practical things. Deal with delegation. For me to devote my time to getting us to the next level, then I must turn over some things to some other people and say, you do this, not me. Um, I have described in a previous sermon is if we're on a journey, if I'm not focused on the mountain and I'm focused on the road, I'm not going to get us to the mountain. I have to devote my energy, my leadership on the mountain and not so much the road that is right in front of us. I believe that God has brought me to the place to do that. I believe that through experiences and trainings and what God has done in my life in the last year, preparing me for this time, that I am in a position to lead the church to the next level, but I must first change. I must elevate my leadership. Let me say this. The safest thing for me to do, the safest thing for me to do professionally is just to keep doing what I've always done. But I'm telling you today, I'm willing to risk that so that our church can take it to the next level. Um, and I believe I am positioned to do that and I will do everything I can to lead that elevation in our church I'm talking very practical today um, when my leadership changes then it affects those around me and the first person it affects is Byron for me to take my eyes off the road and look more to the mountain, I have to, on a staff level, there's other levels of delegation, but on a staff level, 
uh, Byron's role as associate pastor must enhance. Those responsibilities uh, I have to delegate and pass. Some of that relates to technology. Some of it relates to strategy for the future. Um, but as my leadership changes, you have to begin to fill in some gaps. And so Byron's role as associate pastor will have to be enhanced. But you know what? This is a part of what I have said, that we as a church must unleash the creativity of the next generation. It is time that we invest in and we empower younger leaders, that next generation, and that our strategy for our church is filtered through their eyes and through their lives. Now that, that relates to us as a church. In the paid positions, it relates much to Byron. Um, it also affects crickets, roles of responsibility. As we continue to, uh, to elevate our levels of connection with people, and I know some of y'all don't even know what each one of us does. You just see me up here preaching. You know that Byron does youth and Cricket does discipleship, which includes a number of areas, including missions and outreach, lay ministries. But I believe that we must create more avenues of connection uh, with our people in our community and in the world, which means in the days to come, Cricket's responsibilities in those areas will have to increase, which means there are some things that will decrease in her area. And so we have talked about this. There will have to be adjustments and there will have to be advancements. Now, these were things that I have thought about for months and discussed with leadership about. Uh, but if we're just talking very practical today, in the midst of that, we have three staff openings. And all of a sudden, what I begin to sense is, wait a second, uh, our children's ministry position is open, uh, our media and technology position is open, our church secretary, which includes financial secretary, is open, and in the last several weeks, what I realized is, wait a second, is it possible in God's timing that this is not by chance? That there is some component here that God's saying, I want you to do something new. I want you to do something different. Um, and I don't have answers to all of that. But I have to believe it is not by chance that we find ourselves in these circumstances that basically half of our paid full-time employees are almost are leaving I have to believe it is an opportunity for something new. And so that is something that I have talked with the deacons and the staff about. Um, the term what I, that I would use is, is it possible that there is a remix here of responsibilities? And so we've discussed this for hours. 
And if you come for lunch, the recommendations from the deacons and myself is that we elect a committee that will look at all of our staff needs. I have to believe that God's timing is perfect and that there is something that God wants us to do. We can play it safe and we can do the same thing we've done and we can replace oranges with oranges and apples with apples. But is it possible that God says, no, I need you to think outside the box and to look at uh, something different, something new. But the recommendation will be that we will elect a committee that will look at all of our staffing needs. And that's my responsibilities, Byron's responsibilities, Cricket's responsibilities, and then those other areas that are vacant. So we will talk about this this afternoon, but I want you to understand. Typically what we would do is staff members, a minister would resign the children's minister in this case and we would elect a committee to replace that and we would take the personnel committee over here and we would replace these uh, openings but my recommendation and now the deacon's recommendation is that we have one group look at all of that and I, I don't know uh, I don't know where God will lead us but I believe it is God's timing. And so at some point, I think in the next several weeks, we will elect a committee that will look at all staffing needs. You know what my hunch is? When we work through this process, there's going to come something out of that that is going to require faith on our parts. It's just, it's my sense. I, I just can't see that it's going to be the same old, same old. So I would ask you to prayerfully uh, consider that committee and our church and the first area of personnel. I believe it'll be a new day. The second thing up there is properties. Uh, and I've shared this in previous weeks. I understand this is not a sermon like I normally preach. Uh, this is very practical. But you know, life is practical. And these are, these are things that our family has to face, our church family. Uh, I believe as a part of a fresh new vision for the future that there need to be updates and upgrades in our properties. We can talk about this at family conference, but let me just begin to throw out some things that I believe God wants to do in our midst. I believe there needs to be a new facility. Um, I would already give it a name, a community outreach center. That would be a place that our food pantry would have more efficient space but would also be a place that would be more conducive for our Friday night's most excellent way. And there would be other community outreaches like that, that that building would be dedicated to. 
In turn, what this would do is this would free up space in this building for future growth for life groups, which we will need if we make the impact that God's called us to. I believe that's part of the update, but there are also upgrades, and there are things that I believe need to be done to this building. Um, and these are things that we will talk about in the future. But I believe there needs to be a welcome center in the long hallway. We need to we need reconstruct the long hallway, the central part of our building, and to create a welcoming environment of a welcome center there in the center part of our building. Uh, I believe there needs to be new flooring throughout the whole building that brings us up to 2020. It's expensive. But if you're talking about one thing that would, would update our buildings inside is new flooring. I believe after almost 30 years in this room, there needs to be updates to this room. There are, and there are things technology-wise that we are already working on, but if we have a fresh vision of the future, then I think this room needs to re reflect that, and I'll go ahead and throw this out. I've told you I've risked it all, right? I told you I'm not playing it safe. But I believe God has me here for this time, for this purpose, to say, let's take it to the next level. But I, I believe we need to do refloor, re uh, re-carpet re this room. And if we're going to accommodate for more growth, then we need to replace the pews with chairs that would accommodate 20% more people in this room. And I've calculated it. And there would be other things that we would need to do to upgrade uh, not only this room, but our building. And my point being is if we want a fresh vision of the future, then I believe part of that is an update and an upgrade of our facilities, our properties. The third aspect of this is budget. Like we say at our house, it's only money. Yeah, then we roll our eyes. Well, sure, we can do that. It's only money. It's not, I'm sorry. <laughs> some, so that resonated with some of you. You go, okay, yeah, no, I understand that. It's simple, it's just money. Yeah. Our budget for this year is set at the level of giving that we give. Our, our budget is set at our giving level. And that may be like Captain Obvious. It's like, duh. <laughs> Generally, we only spend what we get in. Generally. For us as a church, to take our church to the next level, we must also take our budget to the next level. We must elevate what we do in giving. And I'll tell you what's on my heart. It's not about raising money for upgrades and updates of our properties. 
It's not about a capital fundraising campaign that says, oh, we need to raise half a million dollars and we're going to do this and this. If our focus is simply on facilities, we are going to miss it. It is about relationally connecting to people and how can we do that better. It is about relationally connecting the gospel to people. Staffing that so that we have our maximum impact but also reflecting that through our properties that we have. Our challenge is not for capital fundraising, for people to write a one-time check to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to give $1,000 or $5,000 so that we can do that. Our challenge is for regular weekly giving. One thing, for us to have a greater impact, our budget will be higher. We can't raise one-time money in a capital fundraising campaign. We must, as I have described, develop future givers. My challenge to you, and I've already said this, is that if you are not tithing, and 10% is beyond what you could do without being kicked out of your house and your cars being repossessed and all of that. The kids going hungry. Seriously, I would say to you, begin somewhere with some percentage. If that is 1%, if that is 2%, is it 3%, 5%. In the years to come, as God blesses you, then and you see that you can do it, then you get to the 10%. Some of us that are at 10% and have been at 10% for years, we need to do more, quite honestly. But the great need and the challenge is for regular, weekly, proportionate giving that says, I am investing my money in the church. We can do this. Start somewhere. Allow God to do a new work in your life. Here's what I believe. That as we give, if, we, if our budget stays where it is, and we will be faithful to give weekly, proportionately, or monthly, however you get paid, and we take what is the excess. I, really, I believe this. I told this to the deacons months ago. I don't believe it's about a capital fundraising campaign. I believe it is about uh, regular giving. I believe we can take what is the excess above, what is above and beyond our present budget, and we can pay for everything that we need to do in the next three to five years. I believe that. I want to challenge you today that you would elevate your giving. If you're not giving, then to give something, some percentage, 1%, 3%, 5%, 7%, whatever it is. And I believe as we give and we are faithful, because our budget is set at what we're giving right now. So if we elevate what we're doing, 
And we take what is the above and beyond our budget needs and we set that aside. I believe we can do all the things that I've talked about and someday when we come out, we're at the, the giving level that will support our budget of where we are at the next level of where I believe God wants to bring us to the place of maximum impact. We have a choice. As Noah had a choice, Joshua had a choice, Peter had a choice, William Carey had a choice. We can either play it safe or we can risk it all. The only way we will get to the next level is if we demonstrate faith by steps of obedience. And here's what we'll know. How will we know that we are people of faith? It will be by our actions. It won't be. I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you, faith is not theoretical. Faith is very practical because you'll see it by the actions and how you and I respond. I believe that the greatest days are still ahead for Huntington First Baptist Church. I believe it with all my heart. The best is yet to come. I believe God has a place for us. I believe that because God is a God who does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. But in 20 years of being the pastor of this church, you have always stepped it up. And I believe that about today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, this is what I want us to do. Um, I'm sure Brother Shane's going to come, the music team. I want us to do prayer clusters this morning. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand, and I want you to pray. Groups of four, five, six, somewhere along there. Don't get much bigger than that. Circle up, hold hands, someone lead in prayer. That our church would respond in faith to the challenges that are set before us. Byron and I are going to be at the front. In the midst of your prayer clusters, if you would like to come and visit with us, we're going to be at the front. We may transition at the end into more of a traditional um, invitation, but Byron and I are going to be at the front, even during the, the prayer clusters. Uh, we want you to pray that our church would respond in faith and, um, and just listen for instructions after that. But if you'll find a prayer cluster, four to five, six of you, and someone lead in prayer uh, for us as a church.